Well, good morning. Um, I've never been up here before, but um, as most of you know, I've just uh, come back from Africa on a mission trip. On a mission trip, and I'd like to uh, thank all of you that pr help pray for the trip and also that help support the trip. And um, I'd like to also note Paul, Paul Adams back here. He is the one who orchestrated the whole trip and planned to go and got the people together and did all the groundwork. And then the Lord had him not go, but still others of us went and it was possible because of all the groundwork that Paul did. So I'd like to thank him also. Um, uh, yeah. uh, go ahead and put the first uh, present. I got this to help me since I'm not a public speaker. This is gonna help me a lot. These are uh, the, the group that we were planning on going in. Oh, by the way, I flew into Malawi and we were driving into Mozambique and we went into the bush. But this is the main team that we were going into. More were gonna go, but this is all that ended up going. Uh, off to the uh, left-hand side is Charity. Then we have Judy in the pink, which is Paul's mom. Um, and then we have um, Priscilla and Ken, who's on heads are, and then myself. Uh, Priscilla was actually turned away at the border at Mozambique and could not go in because she did not have a visa, and th but they would not let her in. So we tried to go in, but she was the only one that did not make it in. Okay, next slide. Uh, the day after we arrived in Malawi, we went and we purchased Bibles that our church here and also Judy's church helped raise. We took over, or not over, but we took 90 Bibles into Mozambique. Um, and this is us getting those Bibles. Uh, the next one. Uh, the next day after getting the Bibles, we went on our way to Mozambique, and this is us driving there. Next one. Uh, when we arrived, we arrived at Pastor Augusta's house. Uh, that's the best picture I have of it, sorry. But uh, we stayed there for a night, and then the next day, next slide. Oh, sorry, this is Pastor Augusta right here. Uh, the next one. Uh, the next day, we went, it was Sunday morning, and there was a close Baptist church. Uh, they had us go into the church, and we did a little bit of speaking at the church there. Uh, my first time ever. I, I was very nervous. Um, only spoke for about 10 minutes, but hey, it, it worked. And, but we also left some Bibles at this church as well. And then we walked to another church, next slide, and gave them a few Bibles also. Uh, this is in Mozambique, but this is right over the border uh, in, a, in a small town before we went out into the bush. And then the next morning, after the Sunday morning, next slide, we started driving into the bush. As you can see, it had really good roads. Next slide. And great roads. Um, uh, they, the, the rainy season was really bad this last year, and we were afraid we wouldn't make it to this village, um, but we were able to get there anyway. Next slide. Really small paths also. Next. We even got stuck in one of them when we were trying to go through. We did manage to uh, get the trucks unstuck, though, and continue on. Next. And believe it or not, I don't know if you can see it, but that is a cell tower out there, halfway out in the bush with, on a radio tower. And yes, in the village, several people had cell phones. All right, next bush, next. Uh, because of the rough ride, Judy got car sick, and we had to stop twice, but at the first stop, uh, we did, there was a small group of people that was right by a house, and uh, Judy asked the pastor if, she, if he'd share the gospel, and shared the gospel, and about eight of them accepted Jesus, and we, we left them with Bibles also. Uh, yep, next slide. So the Lord worked through car sickness. <laughs> uh, this is when we arrived. This is at the chief's house. We, we got to stay at the chief's house, not in his house, 
that arrow is pointing at the house of the chief, but right behind us from where I'm taking this picture is a little hut you'll see in the next picture where we set up our tents. So the next picture, that's where we set up our tents. That used to be an animal stable. All right, the next. This is the chief and his wife. The chief was a great guy. This guy had a childlike heart, and he was just so friendly and accepting of us. And part of the reason was, um, the next slide, was because of water. That, that is the whole reason that we had come to this village was because this chief put out a request that they needed more water. This is their only good well a little over a year ago that they had. And it's a drilled well that uh, they had put in, but it was the only one. It's a large village. And because of that, Judy's church had raised money to actually dig some more wells. Uh, and so over the last year, Ken, the one that we went in with, and Pastor Augusta, whose house we stayed with, had gone in and dug four wells over the last year. The next slide. Uh, however, uh, they were all hand-dug wells, and it is a very sandy area here, they found out, and over the last year, the wells are failing. This one no longer works, and they just it's less than a year old. Next slide. I've got feedback here. This one, over the rainy season, fell in, and it no longer works either. All of these wells that I'm showing you right now are less than a year old, and they just dug these. All right, the next slide. This is the only one of the four new wells that is still functioning, but it's not functioning very well. It's, it is failing slowly. The sand is seeping in on this one also. All right, next slide. This is just me and Ken as we were walking around to all the wells to look at it. Next. When we arrived, this was uh, right after we arrived, there was these boys that were sitting off at a distance that were just kind of watching us. And I found out afterwards that when, when the pastor and Ken went to dig the wells, that the, the whole village would not even come near them and found out that it was because they were afraid of them. They thought they were from the government to come kill them, believe it or not. And so when they dug the wells, they were unable to share the gospel with them. But they, um, uh, these boys were off at the side, and I had brought a soccer ball and some other balls. And Judy said, hey, maybe this is a good time to bring out the soccer ball. So I got the soccer ball, called the kids over, started pumping it up. All of a sudden, one of them's eyes got so big, he took off running to tell the whole village. And, and we pumped up the ball, and they started, we started playing with them. And then we set up a little soccer goal there and started playing. Next slide. This soccer ball basically united the whole village. Uh, they, soccer is their sport. And this is only the second, we found out, it's only the second time they've had a real soccer ball. They normally make soccer balls and they wrap them up with plastic and string. And so the, the government had given them their first. But uh, this one was only the second time they had a real soccer ball. Okay, next slide. And so that night, many people came out to the grounds. This is their main grounds where they have a soccer field and a little teaching area. And so that night we went out there and we, we, we taught and um, well, actually we preached that night after the soccer game. And um, that night, um, because of the soccer ball, bringing them all together, and normally they say that it takes days to get a group out there. You have to go door to door to get them, but the soccer ball brought them all out in one night, almost 100 in the first night, and we had like 50 to 70 that gave their lives to Jesus the first night. Next slide. This is just a slide of them all together. Um, next slide. 
the second night, the first night we told them that we would bring out more balls for the girls to play also. The first night we only had the soccer ball out. The second night we brought out three more balls and there was over 200 on the second night. And uh, I think they estimated that 70 gave their lives to Jesus that night. Uh, next slide. This is just them gathering underneath that, that right beside the soccer field. Uh, next slide. And this is on the soccer field. Next. Um, this is, many of them, after they received Jesus, we gave them Bibles. This is them holding up their Bibles that we had given them. Next. Uh, one of them reading his Bible. Next. Uh, the, the next morning, um, I think it was on after the second morning, it was really awesome. They started to file in to where we were actually camping out in the mornings. It, and so they started asking us questions and coming for Bibles also because we only brought a few out each night. And, and, but we had started getting lists down of people who wanted Bibles. And so they started coming in even during the day to get them. The next. Okay. This is one of my favorite groups. Uh, the, and one of my favorite times was with, when these three came in the morning. Uh, the older gentleman had some knowledge of, uh, of religious. Apparently the younger ones knew nothing in this village. Uh, but the older one here came with some questions. There, there was a Jehovah's Witness church nearby and a Seventh-day Adventist that was really small that was nearby. And uh, even though, I don't know if they ever came to this village, uh, but uh, th they had a little bit of knowledge. And they asked some really deep questions like uh, heaven, because the Jehovah's Witness had told them stuff about how heaven, and also some, some other things about, um, um, about the law, the Ten Commandments and stuff. And after we told them about Jesus and mainly like the two commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart and also um, the um, uh, love your neighbors yourself. They, they were like, your gospel is so easy. And they gave their lives to Jesus and then got Bibles and this was after that and they're just sitting, staying with us, receiving more teaching and more teaching. Next slide. Uh, this is the chief when he's receiving his Bible. He definitely told us as we were handing out Bibles, he said, make sure you save one before me, before you give them all away. And um, he had not accepted Jesus at this point. He actually, on the very last morning, accepted Jesus as a savior because we spoke to him, but uh, he wasn't staying in the meetings when we actually preached. He actually would go on and do other things. Next. This is just uh, Charity. Uh, one of the times she was uh, teaching them. In the evenings, we would often teach like three or four messages. One of us would teach and then another one would teach and then another one. I don't have very many pictures of the teaching because it would always distract when I took pictures. So uh, this is one of the few ones I have. Next. Uh, we separated it a couple nights with the children and this is some of the teaching of the children. Uh, next. Just more of it. Next one. We had a baptismal on like the fourth or fifth, fifth day. Uh, we took a list down the night before of those who wanted to be baptized. 24 signed up and the next day only 17 showed up, but 17 uh, were baptized. Uh, next slide. Next one. Next one. Um, this is just more people coming to where we were staying to receive Bibles. Next. Okay, this is the morning we were leaving and uh, there, this is, they came to, to visit us before we left. There was like a core group, especially of men in this village that all accepted Christ and that had questions and came out every night and also during the days to, 
to get more and more teaching. They, they just, so they, they got saturated in the week that we were in the bush here. And uh, I feel that they actually, you know, they were asking us to set up a church, and we're just like, no, you guys are the church. And we, we told them we hope that they have someone that rises up and, and starts teaching themselves. And they, they really did not want us to leave. And also they more kept with more, we ran out of Bibles before there was more needs for Bibles than what we even had. And we, when we got to this village, we had 70 Bibles. We'd given some away beforehand, but 70 went basically to this village. Some New Testament, some full Bibles. Um, oh yeah, and over 200, we estimated over 200 in all in Mozambique were saved. Yep, next slide. This was right before leaving. These two showed up from the nearby village. Uh, they had overheard somehow that we were leaving the next day, and so they walked all the way to, the, to where we were just to receive Bibles, which we were out, and, but also uh, we shared with them the gospel. And as we were sharing with them, the chief came, and he sat, we, we asked if he would stay, and he heard the gospel also at the same time, and he accepted Jesus with these two men also. And they asked us to stop at their village on the way out, which we had already planned on doing. All right, next slide. This is us we leaving, and we stopped at that village where those two were at, and uh, we shared the gospel really quickly here, and there's about 30 people, but only about 13 of them accepted Jesus, and we didn't have any Bibles to leave them. We told them to go to the other village if they, to hear the word uh, and read with them. Next. Uh, this was just that, that person who's quite a ham. Next. This is us uh, saying goodbye the, uh, at the next day as we were at the border of Mozambique and we were uh, leaving. This is the pastor saying goodbye to him. Next. And this is, in my opinion, the real missionaries. These, these two, Ken and Charity, are actually supported through Judy's church and other missionaries that have gone, Paul and them, they all support them locally there in Malawi. And Ken is one of the ones who went and hand-dug the wells in Mozambique uh, all through the last year. And in my opinion, these are the real missionaries. Next slide. This is the last slide. This is that one good well. I just wanted to point out, I feel led myself to um, those other wells that are failing. They told us there on the ground that it's not good to even try to redig them because they'll just fail again. I'm going to try to raise enough money, which is about $2,500, to dig one more good well where they drill it. And if anyone feels led of the Lord to help, uh, either come see me or Paul. He, he, and I'm, we're going to, once I get the money, I'm going to send it to Ken. And Ken has been faithful in things in the past. And that, that's it. Thank you. Amen. Good deal. All right. You guys doing good? That's awesome to go to Mozambique. Man, we'll, we'll help you build that well. That won't be a problem. We could turn it down just a little bit. Uh, just a couple of things to remind you of. We have three events coming up over the summer. And uh, we've got, Mary made an awesome flyer. All of them fit on that flyer. It looked professional. She did a great job. But uh, the 29th, no, 26th, it's the last Friday of this month. We're going to have a, a meeting of just healing and, and worship and um, so anyway, come. It's a healing meeting. Miracles, signs, and wonders. Brother Heath from Hickory, our friend, is coming. And he's going to lead that, but it, I'm looking forward to it. And then Bobby's Connors Conference, remember, at the end of, the, of July. And uh, it's on the School of the Supernatural. It's on the Millennium. How many of you are looking forward to the Millennium? Maybe sooner than we think. 
And then, uh, then the last in August, we're going to have this missions conference, and David Hogan will be here and other guys, and it'll be a really big thing. And I'm telling you, you're going to have to sign up or you may not get a seat because we're going to jam them in. I don't know if we're going to get downstairs finished for the crowd, but we're going to get it finished to eat in. I mean, so we're going to have, that'll be our cafeteria down there. So, I, in fact, you're going to, they're going to start building the stairwell here pretty fast. So it'll be a lot of fun. You won't be able to go in that area because if you go in step, it'll be a long drop. <laughs> and, uh, but I'm, I'm really glad we're having a lot of fun. Um, and also, some of you guys are wondering, you know, Morningstar has a practice of taking during July as a sabbatical, a rest month to let the land rest. And I prayed about it, and uh, I felt like we were supposed to not take the whole month, but I got the word 21. So we're going to take 21 days, which involves three Sundays. And uh, so we'll make sure we announce that plenty, but then we'll come back, and it'll be that school of the supernatural. So we won't have, uh, we won't have Sunday meeting. There'll be other things going on. All right. You guys are waiting what's coming. I have a word. I'm going to let my wife share in just a moment. Not yet. I'm not going to turn you loose yet. But she was on the phone this week with Mina. And uh, Mina shared some additional information that um, I want to share. I want to, it to be spoken. Because I believe that we're going to be a people that's ready and prepared. Running the race with endurance. I'm more excited today than I have been in the last many, many years. Because this is what we've been made for. Say, I'm made for this moment. I don't know what the Supreme Court will do, but I know what I'm going to do. And I know in whom I believe. And I am persuaded. I'm not going to back off. And um, one day those guys will stand before the judge of the universe and give an account for their ruling. But all of that will come. Now, before Shirley comes, though, remember some things. Matthew, let's just this review, Okay. I might break off in preaching here. I don't know. Yeah, I'm going for it. But anyway, remember Matthew 24. Jesus said, take heed. Well, they asked him a question. What did they ask him? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? You remember what he said first? Take heed that no man deceives you. For many will come in my name and they'll say that I am the Christ and will deceive many. That doesn't mean that they'll say that they are Jesus. They will say, he is the Christ. They'll come in his name, in his authority. And they'll, the Bible says they'll deceive many. Now, the word deceive means to depart from the path. It is absolutely vital that we stay on the path. And there are two ways. Number one, stay in the word. Stay in the word. Listen. Not every word of man is the word of God, but every word of God is the word of God. And so we want to be rooted and grounded in the truth. There are a lot of people that say they love the truth, but they're not in the word. And so they're susceptible to every uh, vain imagination. And then we want to be accountable, a part of the body of Christ. I'm not going to apologize for that. I'm telling you, it is important to be connected with the body. You know, a, a member of a body that, that's not connected to the body is a deformed member. And the only way to be properly connected to the head 
is to be connected to the body. We're going to need one another. The Lord's going to see to it. And it's what he's always wanted. Koinonia, fellowship. We need one another. Every part does its share. What if the one part says, well, I don't need any of you. I've got me and Jesus. That's the biggest, I'm telling you, if you ever hear that, get ready for a fall. They will be deceived. They won't make it. They'll never fulfill the purpose that God created them for. It's not about just you and Jesus. It is salvation. But he created a body. And we're the body of the, the church of the living God. What if the church didn't, didn't exist in America? The church is the pillar and the support of the truth. Nobody would be standing up and saying gay marriage, homosexual marriage is not of God. And so we have been commissioned with that message that there's one man, one woman. We're the church and we have to stand on the truth. Now, hold on, I know you're chomping at the bits. But one of the deceptions, now, see if you can understand this. There's going to be this deception where it's going to become more, you'll be more passionate about the events surrounding the coming of the Lord rather than the Lord that's coming. Does that make sense? We don't want to get more enthusiastic, more passionate about all the events that are breaking out on planet Earth. Our passion is the Son of God. Jesus, Jesus, he's the one that's coming. That's why we're excited. I'm not going to be that excited about an earthquake, but I'm going to be excited about Jesus who's coming and who said there would be earthquakes. So I'm not going to fear about those things. And I'm even seeing, I'm just listening out there. My antennas are up. There's some people that might be a little upset if God doesn't whap America like they think he ought to just whap us. You know, I'm seeing that, and, and I can see it. It's like, who was it, Jonah? You know, Nineveh repented, and Jonah got upset. I'm seeing, I'm just like you. I'm, I'm listening, I'm watching, I'm trying to discern the many voices. But I'm not going to back down. And uh, remember, Jesus said in John 16, I've told you these things so that when the time comes, you'll remember and also that you will not stumble. To stumble means to be offended. You know, offended. There are going to be so many people offended. It's part of the great falling away. Because they do not know. The Lord said my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. And so we want to know the word. Stand on the word. And hear the many voices. But make sure we're hearing his voice above them all. Come on up. My wife spoke with Mina this week, so I wanted you to share what she said on the phone, and then I'm going to get into Scripture. Isn't my wife lovely? I'm telling you. Marriage is amazing. It is amazing, isn't it? It is. I love it. My dad told me I'd have a good time. Okay. <laughs> he did. Let's move on. Anyway, I'm sorry. I repent. You don't have to repent. Okay. Go ahead. All right, tell them. Now, this is serious. So okay. Um, I had the opportunity to speak with Mina on the phone. And during that conversation, she shared two dreams that she recently had. Um, one was the week before last, I, I believe. And then one was uh, just a few days ago. 
So, I'll just jump right in, and um, I, I want to try to share the essence of it. Uh, I was scribbling things down rather quickly, so I really want to try just to get the essence of what she uh, shared with me. And in her first dream, she was in Chicago and walking on the street, and, and she looked around her, and she saw all these people with guns. And it was really intense, really hot, you might want to say, um, in many ways. And they were shooting each other. There was just lots of gunfire. And the season was summertime, and the sun was very, very hot. It was so hot that the people were uh, being scorched, literally, by the sun, very severe sunburn. Um, they were doing all they could to kind of alleviate their pain by soaking gauze and cold water and, and just things like that. And what the Lord showed her about this dream was that the Lord was allowing the, the summer to be hot because it would, um, I mean, so extraordinarily hot that it would uh, decrease the amount of wickedness because we're heading into a season of increased wickedness. So we're going to start seeing things in our cities of some lawlessness and gunfires and, you know, just, just bad things like that. So anyway, there was, um, it was concerning some grace. So uh, the second dream she had... Um, she was in Chicago again, and this time she was on the fourth floor of a building, an apartment building. And she could look out and see Chicago's skyline, and it was sunset, and it was beautiful outside, and she wanted to take a picture um, of it. And so she decided to use her cell phone and, and do the video scan, you know, to get the whole skyline. And she opened the window in order to do that. And also, I want to make a note that her son and her mother were in this dream with her. So, uh, she, she opened the screen, or the window of the apartment, and she looked out, and part of what she could see, there was a marina, so evidently she was right on the shore of Lake Michigan, and then she could also see the uh, skyline at the same time, and she looked down, and there was a man in a boat and a boy on a jet ski, and just as she was getting ready to take this little uh, video clip, um, there, she heard a rumble so loud that the boy on the jet ski was going to be thrown in the water. And she was trying to cry out to the man on the boat to get to the boy so he wouldn't drown. And just as she saw that, I mean, the rumble was so loud it was like an earthquake. And she looked up the, let's see, shore, I believe it's called Shoreline Drive. There's a road there called Shoreline Drive. And she saw hundreds and hundreds of white utility vehicles, all in a caravan. And behind those vehicles were hundreds of 18-wheelers. And the rumble that she heard was of this caravan coming. And when they got to the marina where she was, they stopped and jumped out, and they were all military soldiers. And they had weapons, they had night vision goggles, they had it all. And they immediately arrested the boy, the man, and other people. And she thought to herself as she was looking out, now by now it's dusk, it's getting dark. And she thought, it's really happening. And her next thought was, turn the lights out. Because, you know, when you're in a building, you can see in if your lights are on. And so, and she thought that they had to leave right now. And so at this point, she woke up. And the, the dream was so real, her heart was literally, literally racing. Now, you know, she immediately began to pray, and, and she understood that this dream represented martial law. 
And she wanted the Lord to confirm, and the Lord goes through a little process with her of confirming. So at that point, she went back to sleep, and she had a second dream. And it was almost the same as the first. The exception is that instead of being in Chicago, she was in Charlotte, and her TV was on. And you could see on the TV, it's like breaking news, Chicago martial law basically is, is what the, the newsreel was saying. And so, you know, it was the Lord confirming her dream. And then she woke up and, and she says, okay, Lord, now give me some scripture. And so the Lord gave her Psalm 36. And it starts out with the wicked basically saying in their heart that there is no God. And if you read on through, it talks about that. But the second half, it talks about the Lord preserving those that are his. So, um, as far as a timeline, you know, there, she didn't really give it a timeline. She just knows it's summertime. Um, the biggest thing is that this t city was totally taken by surprise and was not expecting martial law to happen in their, their city. So, I think there's a warning there. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good. I wanted Shirley to share that, not to stir up fear. But a friend of mine this week told me, he said, you know, we've been talking about preparation for a long time, and he said it'd be better to be years prepared or early, many years prepared, rather than to be one second late. And so it's just an encouragement to be prepared for the times. And uh, how do you prepare? And I'm going to get into it. Number one, your heart. Man, don't let any idols Make sure you're right with Jesus. He's the most important thing in your life. Right now, if you're not totally, man, convinced that you'd spend eternity in heaven, get convinced. And then get your home in order. Use the 21 days in July to get ready in any way possible. I know people are going to say, you guys are crazy. What's new? It don't matter about that stuff. They thought a lot of people in the Bible were crazy. Noah. They thought he was absolutely bizarre, planning for something that had never happened before. But most of all, get ready for the harvest. Get ready to fulfill your purpose. And uh, because we're going, to, uh, we're going to be a part of the greatest in gathering of souls. You know, I, I was thinking about this. You know, they tell me all the time, most pastors don't talk about this kind of stuff. And I, I asked the Lord, why do I? You know, why, Lord? And I, I had a dream. And some people are frustrated. They say, well, these guys never talk about it. I don't know. It's up to them. I had a dream this week, and in the dream, I was at a big gathering, a bunch of people, and the speaker came down, walked down the aisle, looked at me. I was sitting on the, the, there on the end, and he looked at me. He said, John the Baptist. And then, and then I went up and walked with him to the front. Now, I'm not saying I'm John the Baptist. You understand that? Don't, people might, wow, that guy thinks he's John the Baptist. You know, I could just hear it now. But I went up to the front, and I started thinking, oh, wait a minute. God, if you would call me. Do you know the Lord names you who you might be the most like in the Bible? I don't know. Now, locusts. I'm not crazy about wild locusts. That, now, we might have to eat some wild locusts, so I, it'll be all right with me. Bugs. Huh? Whatever it is. Stink bugs. I am not eating stink bugs. I, I don't care. I'm not eating those guys. Take me on, honey. I'm, going, I'm not eating a stink bug. 
But think about John the Baptist. He prepared the way. He prepared the way for the Lord. He was a voice crying in the wilderness. It's kind of a wilderness. He preached repentance and forgiveness. He pointed men and women to the Lamb of God. He said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. But he also preached about the judgments. Remember the time he said, these guys, where were they coming for baptism? He said, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Remember that? Go and bear fruits worthy of repentance. And uh, anyway, I'm, I thought that was a pretty neat dream. It helped me understand some things. You know, because and you, you should ask him, Lord, who, do you, who am I in your eyes? But we got to know. We got to be ready for the purposes, for the opportunities. Now I'm going to pick up where I left off a few weeks ago. Go to John chapter 14. And uh, this is where we ended up. I want to look at some things, and then I'm going to go to the uh, Revelation chapter 14 and verse 15. It won't take a long time, but I want you to get it. Say, I'm going to get it. I, this is not just to be head knowledge. God's not called us just to deliver a message, but there has to be power. The kingdom of God is not in word only, but in power. But there is that that a revelation that gets locked in our spirit that when the time comes, you'll remember and you'll not stumble. And you'll be part of the solution and not the problem. You'll be one of those that says, I have hope, I have joy, and it'll drive the wicked absolutely bonkers. Can you imagine be having joy when the world's turned upside down? Well, that's the kingdom of God. The last I checked was peace, righteousness, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, I grew up saying Holy Spirit, but in that text, I like Holy Ghost. That's the way he said it. When I was a little kid, I, I didn't know what they meant by Holy Ghost. I thought maybe there was a ghost in that place. I'd look around, where ghost? Is a ghost? Then they said it might be better to call him Holy Spirit. But anyway, John chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. How many of you believe in God? You believe in his promises. He's the God that's always been. Then believe in the God that is with you right now. Believe in me. You believe in God, believe also in me. And in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. We talked about you may not prepare, but guess what? Heaven is preparing. The Lord is preparing a place that where I am or for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. The word trouble means stirred up, agitated, uncertain, anxious. What does Philippians tell us? Be anxious for nothing. Now, you may have to turn off Fox, CBS, NBC, ABC, and especially CNBC or MN, whatever that other one is, especially those channels. But it's worth it. Turn it off. Meditate on him. Be anxious for nothing. And the word believe is the same word to commit or put your trust in. If you believe in God, if you believe, then believe in him. And then prepare, make ready, provide a place, a spot, a location, a position, a condition, an opportunity. Say an opportunity. Now, you remember that little dream I had I shared with you? Was it a couple weeks ago about how I was with Rick and uh, I was putting on a shirt, buttoning it up, 
And Rick was standing here, and I was getting ready to go speak to these people. The shaking had begun, and they were pastors, evangelists, missionaries from all over the earth, and they were gathered, and they're wondering what's going on here. And this really happened in my dream, okay? I'm not boasting. I'm just telling you what happened. So anyway, I'm walking in the path. This shows you how I'm not boasting because the whole time I'm walking, God, what do I say? Holy Spirit, what in the world? What am I going to say to all these people? The only scripture that comes to my mind, remember what it was? He that wins souls is wise. The Lord was telling me, get ready for the harvest. You want to be among the wise? Then win souls. Get ready. Get in place. Because a bunch are coming. But then when I got to the end, out of my mouth, nothing earth-shaking, but they needed to hear it. I said, this is not the greatest opportunity in a lifetime. This is not the greatest opportunity of a generation. This is the greatest opportunity in all of history. And they needed to hear that, and I needed to hear that. This is the greatest. It's an opportunity. But an opportunity is not a guarantee. You got to walk in it. You got to go through the door. I grew up in South Louisiana. They, no, I've changed my, my uh, accent. I don't have that Cajun accent, but they used to say, I guarantee. I, I guarantee. You know, Boudreaux and Thibodeau, they, they lived down there. And Uncle Silas said, I guarantee. Well, this is not a guarantee, it's an opportunity. The Lord's looking for volunteers in the day of his power. The coward will have no place. Oh, they will have a place in the lake of fire. That's what Revelation says, right? Man, we got to believe the word. Listen, don't worry about what people say. Just know what God said. Believe it, walk in it, and you'll be strong. The strength in knowing what God said and walking in the word. Now, Revelation, this is what I wanted to get to. You guys ready? All right, here we go. Revelation 14. I'll try to contain myself. Then I saw, verse 6, another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel, say the everlasting gospel, to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Are you familiar with this agenda 21? How many of you have ever heard of it? There's an environmental agenda that wants to lay claim to all the waterways, even to the, your ditch in your own yard. You know, the ponds, the lakes, the streams. It's the environmental movement. And I was thinking about that. You know, hey, you know, they want to try to steal you know, the waters of the earth. They're not going to get away with it. They don't belong to whoever they are. God created the sea, the streams of water, the creeks, the ponds. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And guess what? The righteous are going to inherit the earth. These guys that have that agenda 21, I'm sure they're going to think they're going to grab all of this for their good. And right before they think it's all theirs, I'm sorry, buddy. It ain't your word that's going to come to pass. It's God's word that's going to come to pass. I like reading about stuff like that because it makes me think, boy, who do these people think they are? Well, they're definitely going to prove not to be God. All right, look in verse 8. And another angel followed saying, Babylon, 
Now, this is really good. I need to write a book on Babylon. I saw stuff I've never seen before. Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Now, the question is, who is mystery Babylon? Some people said that, well, it's got to be over there where Iraq is because in history, that was Babylon. Listen, the Babylon that's emerging on the earth has nothing to do with a geographical location. It's more of a spirit of Babylon. It's, and that nation, whatever it is, or that spirit or group of nations, has to have a lot of influence upon all nations because it says they will make all nations drink of the wine and of that, all of this fornication and such. We were, we were at the MFM, Morningstar Fellowship of Ministries, meeting a couple weeks ago, sitting at a table with a pastor from Nigeria. And they just start volunteering this information. They said, do you know that, that your president and others, the administration, came to Nigeria and they put pressure on our government to conform to their political ideology a gay marriage. They want us to change our constitution, and if, they, if we did not do it, they would withhold funds from us fighting Boko Haram. I thought, now that's really a sign of a godly government, isn't it? And Boko Haram, we know what happened. And then I heard this week about these pastors from Kenya, and our president is going to Kenya again. He hung out there some in his early days. And uh, he's going to, to Kenya to basically, and they're saying in advance, listen, don't tell us about your gay marriage. We don't want to hear it. Kenya's not going there. We don't want anything to do with it. We were in the Dominican Republic. Dominican Republic. They told us, I'm just going to tell you who it was. Hillary Clinton was there the week before. She had just left, and she was putting pressure to change the Constitution. You must accept abortion. If you want the funds of America, my friends, you better accept what we want you to accept or you won't get that money. And then I've heard that in Uganda. The pastors in Uganda, they're bold. They basically told the United States to take a leap, basically. We're not going where you're going. They're, gonna, they're choosing to serve the Lord their God. And it's happening all over the earth. Here's some, now you can decide for yourself. I'm not laying claim to Babylon. But it sure looks like we're looking for Babylon and it's all around us. Here, here's some characteristics of Babylon that I found in the scripture. I could read all this, but I'm gonna, well, I probably should. No, I'm gonna pass it up just to save time. Here's, here's the characteristics. It's a place of captivity. All right, Ezra. Now listen to this. It says, because our fathers provoked the God of heaven to wrath. They provoked the God of heaven to wrath. He gave them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, who destroyed the temple and carried the people away to Babylon. So Babylon is a God-ordained place of judgment, but it's also a place where he can get his own people's attention and turn his people back to him. You say, is that anywhere else in the scripture? Jeremiah 29, 11. Remember that? They go into Babylon, and, uh, but God gives them instructions. It's also a place where you can get great vision, where you don't have to follow the spirit of Babylon. You can live for God in Babylon. How do you know that? Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you. 
plans of good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. You plan on increasing in that land. Build houses, marry wives, grow gardens. Man, you'll be on the increase, not on the decrease. All the time they're in Babylon. Did you know that scripture goes to the, in the context of Babylon? That's why they needed to have a lot of hope, a lot of vision, because they were in Babylon. Now, well, look what else the Bible says about Babylon. It's the Babylon the great. It's going to be known for its greatness. Maybe it's wealth, military power, but it'll be great among the nations of the earth. Revelation 14, 8, Babylon, the fallen, the fallen, Babylon will fall. I mean, let me just say that again. Babylon will fall. Then another thing, Babylon will force all to drink the wine of the passion of their sexual immorality. Is that going on? It's a mystery, and it will remain a mystery until the end of the age. Revelation 17, 5. Mother, it's the mother of harlots and of the earth's abominations. Revelation 18, 2. It's a dwelling place of demons, unclean spirits, and detestable beasts. Do you think we qualify in America? A dwelling? Did you know they're coming out with a movie called Lucifer? It's gonna, I, we read it. It's about Lucifer coming out of hell and wanting to live on the, in America and become like a good old boy. He's tired of the conditions of hell, I guess. <laughs> I said, God, <clears throat> now here's a good one. Revelation 17, 6. Babylon will be drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Revelation 18.3, the merchants, the corporations of the earth will become rich through the abundance of her luxuries. 18.10, in one single hour, her judgments will come upon her. Could this happen today? Have you ever heard of an EMP attack? Do you know how easy that could happen? It's so easy, it could happen just like that, an EMP. Um, 18.21, it'll be thrown down with violence. Violence will erupt in the midst of Babylon. It'll be destroyed never to rise again. 18.4, the last one, and there are probably more. I'm just now getting into it. The Lord said, come out from among her, my people, lest you share in her sins and receive of her plagues. And I'm wondering, Lord, what does that mean? I think it means get in Christ. Some people literally believe it means get out of the country. And there are people that are doing that. I don't think there's anywhere on the earth to hide, my own opinion. Because Babylon is not going to be just in one place. It's going to be all over the earth. If you're in Christ, you're in a place of refuge. Remember what I shared. A lot of people say they live in a place of refuge. Remember this word? I'm going to repeat a lot of stuff because the Lord did. And uh, there, he used repetition. And the disciples didn't forget it. Well, most of the time. No, a lot of times they did forget it. They did. He, he kept, yeah, they did. But I asked the Lord. I said, God, everybody says they live in a place of refuge. Where is the place of refuge? He said, everywhere somebody makes me their refuge, they're living in a place of refuge. But I also believe there are places of refuge too. And we're prophesying over this area. We're not going to give in to what the devil says about us. We are living in a place of refuge, saith the Lord. And we're getting ready to welcome a whole bunch of folks. And uh, 
It's good. I'm excited. Anybody else excited? Now you can read. Well, look in verse, um, verse 9. It says, Then a third of the angels followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God. Do you know that in these scriptures, it shows you there are two groups. It's all going to boil down to two groups of people. In Revelation 13 and verse 3, it says, All the world marveled and followed the beast, and they worshiped the dragon. And they'll say, Who is like the beast? Who's able to make war with this beast? So all the world marveled and followed. But then if you look in chapter 14, in verse 4, it says, These are the ones who follow the lamb wherever he goes. So at the same time, the world systems following the beast, they're going to be a peculiar, set-apart, radical, joyful, unbelievable, never in history known before people on the earth. They're going to follow the lamb wherever he goes because they hear his voice and another voice they will not follow. You can wipe out all the shepherds in America. The people of God will still hear their shepherd's voice. Because he's not a man. He's, he is the Lord God Almighty. You see, they think that. They think, well, if we just strike the shepherds, we'll scatter the sheep. Well, they might. It'll just cause a bigger harvest. But the sheep hear the shepherd. They hear his voice. They hadn't planned on that. Anyway, what an exciting time. I'm ready. I'm ready. Now let's go on. Look in verse 16. I'm going to try to get through this. It's pretty important. But look in 15. I'm, let me skip a few things. Are you guys with me? Look in chapter 15, verse 1. It says, Then I saw another angel in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues. For in them the wrath of God is complete. Now the rest, if you go on, you'll read about those plagues. We'll save that for a rainy day. The seven last plagues. But in this scripture, you see the revelation is not necessarily in some chronological order. He's looking over. In them, the wrath of God is complete. Now back up in chapter 14 and verse 7, it says, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory, for the hour of his judgment has come. So here's the question I want to ask today. How do we get from point A to point B? From when the time when the wrath of God is complete to where the judgments of God begin. A lot of people believe they're going to be long gone out of here. Well, it could be. I'm not saying I know it. I don't even know. All I know is is what I read. And I'm going to be ready. People are going to be ready. Because I see that in the midst of that time, there's another angel coming with a sharp sickle. It's harvest time. It's harvest time. So how are you going to be ready? How are you going to live from the time the judgments begin, whether it's this summer or next summer or next fall or 10 years from now? Listen, I'm not predicting dates. I just know what he's seen, what I've seen. I just know what he's showing me. Even my dreams, I want, to, I want the word to back it up. Because I saw a lot of people going to lose, lose their lives. Do you remember that other dream? Did I, let me just remind you of that. Some of you weren't here. Here's the other dream I had that coincided with that, that dream about speaking that word. But I was in a cubicle, remember? It was like a little square room. There were about 30 people in there. 
and uh, whoever it was was coming through the through the uh, wall to get everybody one at a time and i knew they would not return because i saw the blood all right i saw it it's just babylon filled with the blood of the saints anyway they were coming one after another one after another they got them all i'm the last one in the room i go over and look at the window and i'm like 50 stories high i said well i can't get out the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, go lie in the bed. There's one piece of furniture in the room. It's a bed. Rest. I go and get in the bed. And, and the Holy Spirit speaks to me. Okay, now turn your toes this way. Turn, and, and I'm thinking about, you know, when I was a kid, remember I shared that, how you, you get under the cover because there's a, somebody under your bed. So you're under the cover and trying to get away from him. And, and uh, there might have really been some. And I told you how it worked. You know, we were able as kids... That thing didn't get us from under the bed. We got under the cover and it worked. But anyway, I'm under the cover and the Holy Spirit's telling me, you know, move, all right, breathe in. And I'm breathing in, laying as flat as I can and they come in and they walk around and they don't even see me. They don't even know I'm there. And they go out and I get out of the, the, um, from, from the cover. I look back and I say, how in the dream, how in the world did they not see me? It was a big lump. <laughs> And the Holy Spirit said, you follow me. Those that follow my voice, hear my voice, a place of rest. You're under the blood, but you're hearing the voice of the Spirit. You're not going to be able to hide. They're going to say, mountains fall on us. Hills cover us. If you're covered in Christ and he doesn't want you to be found, hey, no army on the face of the earth will find you. I don't know how it's all, I'm excited. I don't know how it's all going to work out. It's going to be a lot of supernatural living. We're going to get to live out all the stuff, all the stories we heard since we were those little bitty kids hiding under the cover. You know, all these stories, all those things that we heard, we get to live it out. It's pretty incredible. I, I hope you're excited. Okay, now how are we going to make it? It's real short. I'm just going to point out some points. Verse 7, here's the first one. Same with a loud voice. Say a loud voice. They're going to use the amplified version in heaven. <laughs> loud voice. Fear God. You get it? Fear God. Now, wait a minute. Men's hearts are going to fail them from fear of the things and the expectation of those things coming on the earth. They'll fear. Men's hearts will fear, but not your heart. You know, I was thinking about all the fears. There's the fear of death. We've got to get over that one. Listen, death is just the gateway to eternity. It's, the, it's what we've been waiting for. The inheritance reserved in heaven that cannot be taken away. Then there's the fear of disease. I read this week, or I saw North Carolina now. They're, are they banning chickens at state fairs? this August because of the fear of bird flu coming into North Carolina. You remember how we prayed? We better keep praying. Maybe we could just pray again right now. Somebody challenged me. They said, last time you prayed for Wilkes County, where is your faith? Oh, ye a little faith, pray for the whole state. Well, let's do it. Are you guys in agreement? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you've given the church the authority on the earth to bind whatever on the earth has already been bound in heaven 
And when two or more agree as touching anything, it shall be done. Lord, we know there are all kinds of interpretations, and people explain that away all the time. But, Lord, we agree we're touching in the name of Jesus. We pray that this avian flu, the bird flu, would not penetrate the borders of North Carolina. Lord, this is our state. We're the people of God. This is our land. You said the righteous shall inherit the earth. So, God, we pray from over there on the eastern shore to the western mountains along the Blue Ridge to the north around Virginia to the south around South Carolina, Fort Mill. We say no to the bird flu. You have no place, no right. This is our land. These are our chickens, our turkeys, our birds. In the name of Jesus, there are eggs and you can't have them. We bind you from operating in the state of North Carolina. We pray, Lord, angels to be loosed around our state, to guard our state, cover our state. God, mark our state as one where this disease shall not enter, shall not pass in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And we're going to keep praying that. You guys keep praying it too. I don't know if it can be done in one time, but keep praying. And then there's the fear of heights, the fear of speaking in front of people. Hey, Frank, you didn't have that fear. You did awesome. You did wonderful this morning. Fear of snakes. My wife saw a snake go into the garden the other day. She turned around and didn't go to the garden that day. I said, Shirley, what are you afraid of, a snake? Man, just call me. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it while I'm running around. And anyway, I don't know. It's fear of snakes. The fear of man. Oh, that's a big one. Man, I'm glad I'm free from the fear of man. Aren't you glad? God is raising up a people that will fear no one on the earth but God. You fear God, you won't fear anybody else. Let them do what they may do unto you. I'm not worried about those who can kill the body. I'm, worried, I, I'm concerned about the one who can toss the body and soul into hell. My fear is God, a holy God. And every man is going to bow. Now, remember, fear is not some, I know they tell us it's of the devil. Maybe it is. I'm leaving room for that. But I remember Jehoshaphat feared. He saw this multitude coming against him from beyond the sea, remember? And there they come. Hey, Jehoshaphat, guess what? There's an army coming, white trucks. Man, they got guns. They're coming at you. You remember what he did? He feared. Kind of a human response. But he didn't stay there. He sought God. He feared, but then he sought God, called the whole gathering together. And they sought the Lord their God. They said, oh, God, you will deliver us. They reminded him of who he was and reminded themselves of who they were, that they had faith in a holy God. So number one, fear God. Say, fear God. How are you going to make it in these days? Number two, give him glory. Verse seven, give glory to God. Now think about the context of that. It's in the midst of the judgments. In the midst of when the, all the judgments are breaking out. God's people, that you talk about giving glory to God. That's when the glory is going to arise. The smoke of the glory all over the earth. The knowledge of the glory of God. Right in the midst of darkness. A people will arise that have hope that the world's going to be looking for. Give him glory. Don't give glory to man. I'm not going to give glory to those men who want to claim my ditch as their property or my pond. They're just mere men. They're flesh and blood. 
my fears in a holy God. God can remove those men just like that. I'm telling you, it's time to be a little bold in this. Now, we're to love. I know this is going to be the challenge. We've got to walk in wisdom. We've got to walk in, in truth. We've got to walk in the spirit. And then we've got to walk in love, God. Help us. Remind us. Yeah, remind us, Lord. Walk in love. I'm going to try. I'm, I'm going to try. He's going to have to love through me. How many of you know love is not of man? Love is of God. It's going to have to be God's kind of love when the judgments begin. Because I'm going to want, you know, I, well, I don't know. Do you know that when the judgments begin, there's not going to be a mad dash to repent. There's going to be a mad dash to curse God. There'll be lots of folks cursing God. God, how could you allow this to happen? I preached in your name. I prophesied in your name. I prayed for the sick in your name. How can you allow this to happen? It's going to be a great time. Remember what Mina told us? She said, out of every 10 people that say they know him as Lord, he only knows one. It's not about our knowing him. Ultimately, it's going to be about whether he knows you and me or not. He'll say, depart from me. I never knew you, or I knew you. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. So give him glory. Number three, or number, yeah, it is three. Verse seven, worship him. Worship him. Ezra 3.3 says, though fear had come upon them because of the people of the countries, they set up the altars on their foundations. In other words, they set up a place to worship God with all of their heart. They worshiped in the midst of the judgments and in the midst of the fears. Now, I, I'm, there are more that can speak into this, a lot more than me. But I just have a feeling. We ain't seen real worship like we're going to see it in this next season of time on the earth. There's going to be a mounting worship of the devil and the Antichrist and the beast and all this stuff. They're not going to outdo us. They're not going to outdo us. Worship is going to go where we've never gone before. We didn't know it was in us. In fact, I have a feeling that real worship, you're going to really worship when you need to really worship. In the midst of the fire. Can you imagine? Oh, man. In America, we have this ease. Everything's been so easy, so easy. And so we offer a sacrifice of praise. We do, you know, it's easy. But what about when the heat is turned up? Man, then your worship will, what was that story you told me about? I don't know how this relates, but it, there was a German, it was a train carrying people to a concentration camp and it broke down in the backyard of a church. It was right behind a church. And the, uh, the pastor started preaching louder because they could hear the people crying, yelling, screaming for help. He started preaching louder. And then they started singing. And, he, and they started singing louder. The name of it is Sing a Little Louder. It's a, I think it's been made into a movie. So they're singing louder to drown out the cries. Now that to me is a little bit I don't know what, I mean, when we get there, we'll figure out what to do. But I'm telling you, that, I don't know about that, but we're going to worship God. They're not going to be able to silence our song. We're going to sing in the night. We're going to sing in the morning. We're going to sing all during the day that our God reigns and our God rules. 
and worship is going to break out. It'll, some will be spontaneous, but I'm telling you, heaven right now is preparing for the worship that is about to be released on the earth. There's something going on up there. I don't know, but they're getting everybody in place. Angels are signing up, and they're getting in, in whatever. I can't even figure out the words I'm trying to say. They're just getting it together up there. Remember what Mina said? While the earth is preparing for the judgments of God, heaven is preparing for a great revival on the earth, great awakening on the earth. Because there's going to be a sickle, a great harvest. Well, how else are we going to make it? Well, chapter 14, verse 12. Here's three of them. We're winding it down. Here's the patience of the saints. Now, think what's going on. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. First of all, the patience. And no wonder they're patient. That word means endurance. Because they're in the, the intense pressure that's around them to receive the mark and worship the beast. But God will enable the saints to endure all things. Those who endure to the end shall be saved. How many of you have been in some pressure-packed situations recently where it's been a little bit hard to endure? Anybody? You should rejoice. You should be rejoicing. Do you know what God's doing? He's preparing. If you can't endure the little things we face now, you will not endure. I don't care who you are. You will not endure when everything unfolds that the Bible says is going to unfold on the earth. And so he's getting us ready. He's preparing us. He's making us. The word means to be steadfast. He wants you to be steadfast. Listen, there are no quitters here. Can I say that again? No quitters here. If you quit, go ahead and quit now. Because if you hang around here, there are no quitters here. The earth has seen enough of the dropouts and the quitters. God's going to have a people who will endure all things for the sake of the elect. It's not about themselves. It's about the king of glory and the lost. They will endure all things. All things. For the sake of the elect. You got willy wimp Christians in America that won't endure anything because it's about themselves. And if they're not pleasing themselves, they're out of there. They need to get out of there. Because if they weren't going to go, there was an angel that would have gotten them out sooner or later anyway. It's called the separation of the wheat and the tares. We're living in the day, folks. There's no time to fool around. You fool around. Don't go to a church where the fear of God is. Don't go to anywhere where the glory of God is going to start showing up. Don't do it. I'm begging you, please, find a comfortable setting that will give you the ABCs of how to get rich and be wealthy, famous, popular. There are those places. I don't want to be a criticizer of those places because I hear people criticizing them and I always I'm a little grieved because when I hear people put down the church, the, my thought is, God, that's your bride. There are people cursing the bride. How are you taking that, God? People judging the bride, critical of the way the bride does things. Lord, what do you think about all that? I think he's going to stand up and speak for the bride. Oh, well, that's, 
may be a different subject. The patience endurance. And then here are those who obey the commandments of God. Here are those who obey the commandments of God. In the midst of the judgments, here are those who obey the commandments of God. Now, here's what I was thinking about. I, I went to Dollar General, and I couldn't find one. I should have gone to Walmart. Walmart has everything. <laughs> you know, they have everything. Well, I don't know about everything. The thing you want, they don't have, you know. Or at least they moved it. Where'd they move it? Last week, it was right here. Anyway, I wanted to find this big pencil with a big, you know, end on it. And I was going to walk around. I don't, hey, there's, is that a pencil? Give me that pencil there. I, I like that. But there's one on the floor. Is that a pencil? Great. Thank you, God, just when you need one. Hmm? God provide. Hey, I, I want you to feel that right there. Okay, what did you just feel? What is that? It's lead. Lead. What about you? You feel, what did you just feel? You feel, hey, you want to feel some lead? Here, you guys, feel some lead. Okay, lead. Is this lead? Do you feel lead? How about you? Do you feel lead? Okay, you want to feel lead? You want to feel lead? No, you can't. You can't. No, no, feel lead. It's, it's real lead. How many of you feel lead? I'm telling you, the devil has sold a, a, a bunch of stuff to the church. They don't do anything unless they feel lead. Could you imagine this morning? Hey, if I sat there, I'm not going to preach because I just don't feel led. I don't feel led of the Spirit. Wait a minute. The Lord already said, if you love me, feed my sheep. Feeling led of the Spirit is a cop-out. If you don't obey God's commands now, you think you're going to feel led of the Spirit then? I'm telling you. I'm not talking. Listen, I know we're... The, the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. They are led by the Spirit. When I chose to obey God and preach the Word, I was, I am led by the Spirit. There's a, lot of, there's a false doctrine going around. I'm not going to do anything unless I'm led by the Spirit. Then you, I'm telling you, there'll be people in hell waiting for the leading of the Spirit. Because Jesus said, you will know them because they obey, they keep my Word. If you love me, Obey my word. And it's all in the scripture. We could really go off into that. I'm glad I found a pencil. Thank you. I don't have to go to Walmart. And then they have the faith of Jesus. Did you hear that? Look at that. The faith of Jesus. Now there's faith in Jesus. There's faith because I've seen what Jesus is doing and what he said. This is something different. It's the faith of Jesus. Can you imagine? Now, wait a minute. This is a different level, guys. This is a different level. The faith of Jesus. That means we can do the same things he did because it's not us doing it. It's him doing it through us. The faith of the gift of faith. The gift of faith. He has, a, he has the ultimate gift of faith. He gives the spirit without measure. So we're going to have the faith of Jesus. The love of Jesus. Man, that's amazing. How many of you want some of that? I want it. I want to walk in that, that level of gift. I'm telling you, it's here. We can walk in the faith of Jesus. 
Oh, man, that's good stuff. And then preach the everlasting gospel. That means we're going to get to preach for a long time. The gospel to every nation, every tribe, every tongue. Now, I know it says an angel will come with that everlasting gospel. But if this is happening on the earth, guess who the, angel, what, who the angel's looking for? He's looking for people like you and me to place the mantle on to preach the everlasting gospel to every tongue. That's the gospel of the kingdom. And we get to be a part of it. And then how do we do it? How do we? The last thing, how are you going to make it from point A to point B? When the judgments begin, whether you prepared in the natural or not, some of you won't do it. You're going to live by faith. Well, you're going to need the faith of Jesus. Because if you have a little, that little lad had just a little bit of loaves and fishes. When Jesus blessed what he had, he multiplied and fed the multitudes. What if the little lad hadn't brought any fish, loaves that day? Didn't have anything. He didn't, he didn't take time to pick it up. I don't know all the answer to that. I know take no thought of your life and what you'll he, uh, wear and eat and drink. All those things, I know that. But I know God gives us the ability to work, the ability to plan and prepare and get ready. The Lord prepared heaven. We should prepare for his coming on the earth and be ready to be around as long as we're able to be around. I told Rick this week, I said, Rick, we're going to, and he knows this, you know, he knows, I just said, we're not going to leave this earth until our purpose is complete. And Rick said, I want to leave if I don't have purpose. I want purpose all the days of my life. I thought, you're exactly right. And I'm telling you, if you're about the bidding of your father, you have purpose, and you've got angels standing guard around you, though 10,000 may fall at your right side, no plague will come near your dwelling. Not just because you read the scripture, but because you're doing the will of God. You're walking out. You're walking in his obedience. You're waiting around for the leading of the Spirit. My friend, open the book. Read the pages of the Bible. There's a whole lot to obey. You might stumble on something and say, look, I was led by the Spirit. I'm telling you, the American church has been set up. Great disillusionment, a great falling away. Lord, I don't know how. I mean, we're just, a, we're just us. One little congregation. So if I hear the Lord saying, don't say you're little, I'm going to accomplish. You know, the, the big things come in little packages. I'm telling you, we're going, we're going for the earth. We're not going to sit back here. They take my ditch. How, I'll do what I used to do when I was a kid. We used to stick string down these little holes and catch, you know, crawfish. And bring them home. Mom, look, crawfish, cook them. You know, it was great. It was, I don't know, I'll find water somewhere. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm going to find it. And if I, I'm, he'll change something to water. Or change water to wine. Hey, let me tell you this, and I'm going to finish up. You guys good? I mean, we have guest speakers, and they go long. I can go long, too. But you got to hear them. You know? Nobody. Yeah. Nobody left when Mina spoke two hours. I'll tell you a secret. I had to go to the bathroom really bad over here. I'm just being, now we're family. But I, I wanted to get up and I thought, oh no, if I get up, it's going to break. The, everybody will look at me, you know. I'm, I was wanting her to hurry and finish. 
<laughs> I'm just telling you, I'm being honest. I probably shouldn't say like, stuff like that. Oh, okay, this is what it was. I heard this guy, a pastor, being interviewed. He said that God gave him a, was a panoramic view of America in a dream. He said he saw at the beginnings of our nation, and he, he heard this loud heartbeat, boom, 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 boom. And he saw, he had a vision of some of those early preachers you know, that were preaching with fire, fire and brimstone. Man, they were preaching the cross, the blood of Jesus, fiery preachers of the cross. And uh, it's like, remember that, who was it, the French philosopher? that said they came to America to try to find the secrets of America. They went to the, the uh, places of you know, education and government. They never found it in any of those places until they went to the church and they saw the pulpits aflame with the gospel. And what did he say? He said, America is great because it is good. And if it ever ceases to be good, it will cease to be great. Remember that. Well, anyway, he heard this heartbeat. And then he said it started faint, started going faint. Boom, 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 boom. And there were attempts to destroy us. But an angel would come and pour out, I don't know, something would stir up the fire, you know. And then all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. And he, and he saw this picture of these preachers preaching again with fire, you know, the way they used to in the old days. And they'd preach, man, and spit and all that stuff. But they were preaching. But those guys meant what they said. And the heartbeat was big. And then all of a sudden it went down again. Boom, 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 boom. And he said it went to today. And it was very faint. Now I'm trying to remember exactly what he said. There was an angel over America. And he thought, it's time. We're gone. And he looked up and he left. He left in this vision or dream or something. Then the Spirit of God said, watch what I'll do. And he came and he poured out the oil and the wine over America. Remember that? Don't harm the oil and the wine. He poured out oil and wine, and all of a sudden, the heartbeat started going boom, 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 boom. I think that's where we're getting, guys. I'm looking for oil and wine. I was praying this morning, God, pour out the oil and wine. Pour out, I don't care if I don't say a word. Pour out the oil and wine. Pour out the oil and wine, God. God, let your church beat again with the heartbeat of heaven to be on fire, God, to preach this gospel one more time in America, one more time to have a great awakening. Now look in chapter 15. Here it is. Okay, for in them the wrath of God is complete. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire. And those who have the victory over the beast over his image, over his mark, over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. And they sang the song of Moses. Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. You shall not fear you. Who shall not fear you, O Lord? And glorify your name, for you alone are holy. For all nations shall come and worship before you. In other words, how are you going to make it? Have a vision of victory. There will be a people on the earth that will have victory over the beast, over the false prophet. They're not going to accept this mark, whatever it looks like. I don't know what it looks like. They're not going to accept it because they're following the beat of a different drummer. They're following the heartbeat of God. 
And there God rules and reigns. And the earth is prepared for the righteous. The righteous shall inherit the earth. And I'm one of them. How about you? You come around here, you're going to have to be one of them. We're not going to let you get away with not being one of them. Because I, I really feel, I, I want to go out to everybody and open your head up and pour. No, open your spirit up and just pour out. Your head ain't no good. Head knowledge is... It comes and goes, but your spirit, you know what I mean? And just, God, put it in them, put it in them, put it in them, God. Oil and wine, oil and wine. Let's just ask God for oil and wine right now. And then I think these guys have some words. They wouldn't have come forward, but I want to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we ask you to pour out over us, over our families, God, over our region, Lord, over our state, over our nation, God, one more time, we ask you, release the oil, release the wine of heaven for one more demonstration that our God reigns from sea to shining sea. Lord, we thank you for it. Release the anointing, God, I pray, that your people would be the people of God. Rise up and endure, and overcome, and stand. Thank you, Father. Put it in them. Lord, I ask for the gift of faith to be released in this body. I ask God in the name of Jesus right now, Lord, uh, Lord, you said the word, you back up the word with signs following. So I'm asking for signs that there would be gifts of faith. God, I pray that people would pray for people that maybe others had given up on. I ask God for miracles, signs, and wonders to break out through the saints of the Most High God. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Supernatural provision. Lord, I thank you for the little provision that you've instructed us. Now, God, I ask that the days would come when we would see multiplication of those little things that we've done. And where some have done nothing, let them get to work fast. God, send angels to help in the name of Jesus. It shall flow like a river, and it shall flow as the rain, and it shall rise as the dawning and glory over the land, and the knowledge of the Lord shall fill all the earth where the Spirit of the Lord shall flow. You, brought, you wrote that? So, Lord, we're asking for it. We're just in agreement. Lord, let the Spirit of the Lord let the dawning of glory fill this land. Thank you, God. Lord, thank you. Thank you. He's releasing something in people right now, I'm telling you. I see angels coming over people, and there's a big pitcher, and he's pouring out oil on people right now. Do you feel, anybody feel heat or feel anything right now? There's, there's an anointing. More, Lord, more, more. We want, now we need some wine, too. Because this wine the earth gives, I don't drink wine, but the earth, I'm telling you, it can't be as good as heaven's wine. <laughs> it's just not possible. So, Lord, we ask for heaven's wine. Heaven's wine. In the name of Jesus. Man, there are fiery evangelists in this room. Oh, God, give them new mantles today. New mantles. Oh, I just saw somebody walk in a school and declare the word of the Lord in that school and revival will break out. Now that is a silly thought, but I'm gonna believe it. God, I pray, I know school's out right now, so get them ready in the summer. 
get them ready. Fill them up. There'll be people walking in classroom, not in maybe the classroom, but walk in the school somehow, some way, maybe a teacher, and they're going to declare, thus saith the Lord, revival will break out in that school. We declare that, maybe someone watching right now, in the name of Jesus. And we want to bless Uganda, Kenya, Nigeria, and Dominican Republic, all those nations that have said no to the beast. God bless you. God bless you guys. Lord, send revival to those nations. We pray whole nations get saved in the name of Jesus. Hey, pick you out a flag and just point at it and just pray. Just pray in the spirit or pray for revival in that land. Pray over them. Hey, pray in the spirit, guys. Pray. Let's pray. This is serious. Lord, strengthen the saints of God. Strengthen the church. Strengthen your people, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And Lord, if, if there's anybody watching or anybody in this room, you're not saved. You say, I don't know if I know Jesus. I don't know if I'm right with God. Uh, lift your hand real quick. Say, I don't know if I really am saved. Anybody? Most of us are saved. Put your hands down. But anybody say, I don't know if I'm saved. Okay, all right, let's pray. We're gonna, there's someone raise their hand. Man, you gotta go out of here knowing that you're saved. We don't want anybody going out wondering. And so let's just all pray together. Say, dear God, I believe in Jesus, that he is the son of God, that he lived a sinless life, that he died and rose from the dead, and he lives today. I confess I am a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I receive you, Jesus. I confess you with my mouth. I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And I thank you that I'm saved. Because whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the fire of heaven. Set me ablaze for you. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for heaven. But thank you that I have a place on the earth in your will. And I'm more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. I'm a child of the king. A blood-bought child of the King of glory. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.